Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sins in Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. It's Jay Zawoski with you here. Sort of a special edition breaking news version of the Madhouse podcast. For the first time in a long time, the Hawks have been off for an extended period of time, so we haven't had a chance to talk to you in a little bit. So we're going to fix that now. Andrew Shaw retires. Riley Stillman's given a contract extension. So those are the things we'll be talking about on this podcast. First and foremost, thanks for tuning in. Always do appreciate when you do that. Uh, Get in touch with us, madhousepod at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at madhousepod. Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod. We're on Facebook at Madhouse Hockey C-H-I. So the big news of the day, Blackhawks forward, two-time Stanley Cup champion, Andrew Shaw announces his retirement from the NHL after several concussions. He was asked earlier today to put a number on how many concussions he had, and he just said a lot. Um, Doctors said, you know, time to walk away. And Andrew listened, which is... um, you know, tough for Hawks fans to see a guy who is so beloved go. But let's let Andrew Shaw tell you in his own words uh, what was going through his mind. This is from today, courtesy of ChicagoBlackhawks.com. This is edited. I took some of the questions out because I thought the answer sort of spoke for themselves. So let's hear Andrew Shaw in his own words. 
obviously it's been in the back of my head for a few years now. Uh, but my love for the game obviously pushed it away and, you know, just listening to doctors for once in my life, uh, we just finally made a decision that it would be best for me to step away from the game. Um, cause there's no way I can change the way I play and it's just going to keep putting myself in vulnerable, uh, situations. So for my long-term health, I think it's, it's best that, uh, I do so. It's hard. It is. Obviously I've been playing hockey since I was four years old, played 10 years in the NHL and became my life. And, uh, and it's tough to walk away from that, but I got a, a loving wife and loving kids and parents and siblings and friends that, uh, you know, helped me with this transition for sure. I mean, I was always told I was never good enough, never big enough, never fast enough, never skilled enough. So yeah, obviously I'm just grateful for the time I had. I mean, 10 years, two Stanley cups, you know, over 500 games. I, I, I have a lot of memories that I'll be able to, to remember and, Maybe people saying all those things uh, put a, a chip on my shoulder and made me want to prove them wrong. But the reason I think I eventually made it was just for the love of the game. You know, the passion I brought to the game, how competitive I am as a person. You can't, you know, all that's uh, more important than skill and speed and, and size. So I think it being passed over and, and told all those things just pushed me more, I guess. Andrew Shaw meeting the media today after announcing his uh, retirement from hockey. And I know a lot of people have the contract um, situation on their mind. The expectation is that Andrew Shaw will much like Brent Seabrook and some other people spend um, the last uh, year of his deal, which is next year on long-term injured reserve. Yes, the Hawks will get that $3.9 million um, you know, available to them once the season begins. Him and Seabrook, they're not really available for off-season spending. Um, so unless somehow Stan Bowman can move one or both of those deals, you can't really count that cap space as free agent cap space. Now, there are ways to get creative, and Stan Bowman whether you're a fan of his or not, has always sort of found a way to get creative with the salary cap. And he finds ways to navigate things and make things work. So if there is a player he really wants to go after, if there is someone he's really got his eye on, uh, I'm confident he can do what he needs to do to get that deal done. But I just want to talk to you about Andrew Shaw from my point of view as a longtime Hawks fan. And, you know, we've been doing this podcast for, what, seven years now, six years, whatever it is. And we spend a lot of time you know, breaking down the power play and how the game went and who should be playing when and who is overpaid and all those things. But when I think back, you know, 20 years from now, when I'm telling, you know, hopefully my grandkids about the Blackhawks dynasty of the 2010s and Andrew Shaw's name comes up, I think me and a lot of people, the first thing is going to be a giant smile. You know, that's, that's what's going to come across your face because, you know, Andrew Shaw is a what people who don't know hockey think of hockey players. That's what Andrew Shaw is, right? He's a fighter. He's a scrapper. He's covered in scars. He's missing teeth. Uh, he is willing to go to the ends of the earth to make that extra play or get in that corner or get in front of the goal. 
I mean, he's got a headbutt goal. He's got a shin pads goal in the playoffs. Like he's had so many huge moments in his Blackhawks career. And I think when we talk about Shaw as this scrappy underdog type of guy, which he absolutely is, I think it short sells his game a little bit. I think Andrew Shaw is a better player than he gets credit for. And he was a guy on some really good teams. And of course, when you look at those rosters where you've got Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook and Hosa and Sharp and on and on and on, Andrew Shaw's name can kind of get buried in the history books there. But to Hawks fans, that will not be the case with Andrew Shaw. Hawks fans will always remember Andrew Shaw. And I don't want to go you know, too deep because I was not around when Keith Magnuson played. And I, I think I, well, I actually was, but I don't remember him playing. And I think of the generation or two before me. I'm 43. So I think of people my parents' age, you know, in their 60s and 70s, the way they talk about Keith Magnuson. Right. Like he wasn't the most skilled guy. He wasn't uh, the best player on the team by any means. He was barely getting by with what he had, but he tried harder and he cared harder than anybody else. And I think Andrew Shaw very much fits that mold. And I'm I'm curious to see what the next step of Andrew Shaw's life will be with the Blackhawks. Is he going to be in an ambassador role? Is he just going to kind of go retire and be by himself and do what he wants to do, play some golf? And, you know, who knows? But I think Andrew Shaw is a guy when fans return to the stadium, um, seeing him around, seeing him visiting skyboxes for the wealthier fans in the building and just walking around signing autographs and being part of the organization. I think a lot of Hawks fans would want to see that. I know I would, because that's a guy, like I said, when I look back on this dynasty of Hawks players, there's so many great ones and it's just really fun to think about what this guy did, you know, undrafted, or I'm sorry, drafted in the fifth round with very little expectations. I'm trying to find out, and for whatever reason, I can't find the story on when Andrew Shaw was called up. But it was with another prospect. It was with another young player. And he was sort of the secondary call-up. Like when the news broke that, that these two players were coming up, it was sort of a, oh, and this Andrew Shaw guy who's going to fill in and, you know, he'll be, he's a scrappy guy, but he'll be back and forth with Rockford all the time. That sort of a thing. He came up and never really looked back. And that's, that to me is, that says a lot about Andrew Shaw. You know what? As I was talking, I just found it. It was defenseman Dylan Olson, who was one of the Hawks' bigger prospects at the time. Didn't pan out as a lot of NHL players don't, but Olsen and Shaw made their debut the same night. And like I said, Shaw was considered this, like James and I always talk about, the fourth line farm, right? He's a guy who's, okay, you know, you need a guy who's got a little bit of a, can play in the corners and, and maybe get you a goal every now and again, kind of a guy. And he came up and got in a fight and scored a goal and refused to go back, back down. He made that decision impossible for Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman to send him down because he forced himself into the lineup. Very similar to what Brandon Hagel did this year. Didn't start the season with the team. Took a couple games for him to get his debut. He got in there and he's been impossible to sit ever since. And 
Andrew Shaw was asked about that similarity today, and we're going to get into that on Tuesday's full episode of the Madhouse podcast, which will come up after Blackhawks and Tampa. So look for that. James and I will be back with a total full-length episode uh, tomorrow night, but and we'll share that audio with you there. But he sees those comparisons to Brandon Hagel, a guy with no expectations, with a little more skill and grit than he probably gets credit for, a little more speed than he probably gets credit for, and he's coming here and turning some heads. It's exactly what Andrew Shaw did. And Shaw sort of said, I think Hagel's a little more skilled than I am. Hagel's got a little more speed and a little more, uh, you know, some hockey skills that, that Shaw doesn't have. Hey, if Brandon Hagel has a career like Andrew Shaw, Hawks fans will be very, very happy. You know what else you're going to be really happy with? If you're a Hawks fan, fry the coop. The best Nashville hot chicken you'll ever have. Go to frythecoop.com. Check out their menu. They've got locations in Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, and Tinley Park. It is one of my favorite places in the world. Every time I go to Fry the Coop, I leave happy and full and satisfied. And I've got friends who come with all the time. It doesn't matter how far Fry the Coop is from our house. Tinley Park is much closer than the Oaklawn one, but the half hour drive to Oaklawn was worth it. Once or twice a month, take place a big order for your friends and just have a nice night out on the patio. Uh, Fry the Coop is the place to go. So check them out, frythecoop.com. You can order online. Like I said, go to their pickup window. It's very easy and very safe. And uh, hopefully as things start to open up again, you can start to dine in and fry the coop. But man, take out. It lasts so well in your car. You wouldn't believe. You get home from, like I said, a half hour from Oakland to Homewood. That was still crispy, still fresh, still hot, even after that long car ride. So check them out, frythecoop.com. And anytime you check out any of our sponsors, Make sure you tell them you heard about them on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll talk about Riley Stillman's new contract and what it means for the Hawks going forward. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. This is Jay Zawoski with you here. James Naveau is stuck at work. He's bummed he can't be part of this. But like I said, we'll have a full-length Madhouse podcast for you tomorrow night, Tuesday night after Hawks and Lightning wrap things up. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Make sure you rate, subscribe, review the podcast. Those things are super helpful for James and I. And you turn on those notifications as soon as a podcast drops you will get notified, and very often when we do those late-night podcasts, I will post it around 11 p.m., 10.45 or so, but I won't tweet about it until the morning. Um, so if you have those notifications on and you're a night owl, you're going to get notified as soon as the next Madhouse podcast goes live. So turn those on, and you will not have to wait a second after those things publish. All right, so the other little bit of news, uh, this happened on Sunday Blackhawks have agreed to terms with defenseman Riley Stillman on a three-year contract extension that runs through the 2023-24 season. 
with a cap hit of $1.35 million per season. That is a really nice deal. And it's been six games since Riley Stillman joined the Blackhawks. Okay. And what we've seen through six games has been very encouraging. I've really liked what he's brought. I, I know Stan Bowman obviously has really liked what he's bought because uh, he quickly re-signed him. The first thing I thought when I saw this deal is what does this mean for Nikita Zadorov? And I know that name stirs up a lot of emotions for Hawks fans. I know most Hawks fans don't like him. Um, I am a little bit more on the fence than most. I know he's far from perfect. I know he was traded for a very popular player, but as I say all the time, that's not his fault. It's not his fault. He was traded for Brandon sod. So you've got to try to look at him in an objective way, but he's a restricted free agent. He's due a new deal after this season. They do have arbitration rights. So if they wanted to go to arbitration with Zadorov, they could, his current contract pays him 3.2 million safe to assume that he's going to get a raise of some kind, whether it's 3.5, whether it's four, I don't know. Are the Blackhawks going to pay him that money? Do they want to pay him that money? A lot of people have hit me up on Twitter saying, well, Bowman made this trade and now he can't pull out. Now he's got to sort of double down and justify making the trade. I don't know if that's true anymore. And I think this Zadorov situation is going to be a really good measuring stick for that whole thing because what we've learned since John McDonough was fired uh, just over a year ago is that he was a little more involved in the hockey things than we were led to believe. He was a meddler. He was a guy who would get involved with transactions and call-ups and things like that. Um, it's sort of become just common knowledge that he was part of the reason that Adam Boquist was called up so early last season when he probably needed a little more time in Rockford. And he would be the kind of guy who would say, look, you can't bail on Nikita Zadorov right now. You traded Brandon Saad for him, and he's a fan favorite. So you got to stick with this guy and hope that it works out. I don't know if Stan Bowman, I don't know if that was ever Stan Bowman's mindset. It might have been when he was working for John McDonough, but he's not working for John McDonough anymore. The Hawks have clearly divided their hockey and their business, which is the right way to do it. Jamie Faulkner runs the business side. Stan Bowman runs the hockey side. And let's be honest, since McDonough has left the organization, I think for the most part, people have been pretty pleased with the way Stan Bowman has run things. Yeah, people hated the Brandon Sod trade. I get it. I get it. But Bowman was looking at having to add a, a veteran presence to a defense, a physical presence to a defense, and this was the easiest way to do it and save some money on the cap, right? Now you've got the emergence of Riley Stillman, who comes in three years younger than Zadorov, um, almost $2 million cheaper than Zadorov, even with the new contract. And has been more effective. So it changes things. When Stan Bowman traded Brandon Saad for Nikita Zadorov, he didn't know that Riley Stillman would be available at the deadline, right? And it doesn't justify. I'm not saying that the Zadorov Saad trade was good. He lost that trade. There's no doubt about it. But in terms of the day to day hockey decisions, I think most people have been pretty satisfied with the way 
things have gone. Now, people don't love Jeremy Cowlton. That's for sure, right? Obviously, most people are out on Jeremy Cowlton and Stan Bowman's vote of confidence in him by giving him an extension uh, reportedly, you know, before the season uh, changes some things, but you also don't want to have a lame duck coach. So there's a lot of sort of gray area to the whole thing. But in terms of young guys playing, the players who deserve to play playing, so far, so good there. And the fact that Stillman gets this deal and the expansion draft is coming up, I don't know. This These last few games we're going to see of the Blackhawks this year might be the last time you see Nikita Zadorov as a Hawk. So Scott Powers wrote this this morning uh, in The Athletic, and he sort of took his guess at who the Hawks would protect in the expansion draft. And he said, you know, and I sort of agree with this, they would protect seven forwards and three defensemen and one goalie. There's a bunch of stipulations on what is required, you know, the kind of people that can be protected. A lot of the young guys are not even eligible because of age, because of experience to be exposed. So don't worry about that. So here's who Scott Power sees the Hawks protecting. Kane, Taves, Debrinkit, Strom, not so sure about that one, Hagel, Nylander, and Borgstrom. Defenseman Keith, Murphy, and Stillman, goalie Kevin Lankinen. He says the most notable exposed players would be Zadorov, Dahan, Kampf, Gaudet, Carpenter, Connolly, Subban, and Delia. That is the most logical conclusion to reach. And I think when you saw the sod for Zadorov trade, if you said, yeah, they're going to expose Zadorov, you, you wouldn't feel great about that. But again, the Riley Stillman thing and the emergence of uh, Wyatt Kelnick who's 24. I think a lot of people think of him as this kid. He's 24 years old versus Bodan, who's 21, and Boquist, who's 20. Stillman is is 23 himself. So there's a lot of young, like Ian Mitchell is 22. They've got a lot of young defensemen in the system. And the emergence of Stillman now makes the door of expendable. So keep an eye on that. Uh, that's going to sort of be Assuming the Hawks don't make the playoffs, their odds are very, very low right now, especially when you look ahead at the schedule they've got to wrap up the season. The next big thing to watch will be that expansion draft. Which Hawks will stay, which will go, and if somehow Zadorov doesn't get claimed by Seattle, what happens next with him? And you as a Hawks fan, how far are you willing to go with Zadorov? How much are you willing to pay him to take a look? $3.2 million now, there's going to be a raise. Would you pay him 3.5 for two years, sort of a bet on yourself kind of a deal for Zadorov? Or are you ready to say, you know what? I've seen enough. I like what I've seen from these young players. Let's not take up a spot that a young player could fill, especially if you've got your eyes on a big free agent like Dougie Hamilton. Something else to be keep in the back of your mind because now with this cap relief, like I said, Stan Bowman can find ways to get creative and they might have some some cap flexibility in this offseason that they, they weren't maybe counting on before. One other piece of news I want to get to as well. We have news on the NHL's television deal. Uh, nothing is official official yet, but it's basically official. ESPN is the, we all know this, they're the main rights holder of the NHL after NBC's deal this year. What's happening today, Monday, is that Turner Sports, those of the NBA on TNT, 
are going to be the secondary provider. So four of the next seven Stanley Cup finals will be on ESPN. Three of the next seven will be on Turner Sports. This to me is a, I don't know, it feels like a big upgrade. Obviously ESPN carrying hockey is huge. And I know a lot of hockey fans are sour on ESPN because of their lack of acknowledgement of hockey. Well, ESPN didn't acknowledge hockey because there was no financial reason to do so, right? They didn't have any skin in the game. There's no hockey games on ESPN. Yeah, they're on ESPN Plus, but meh, that's you know minimal money for them. Now that they're a rights holder, this could be really good for the growth of the NHL. And it's good timing because you've got some awesome young players in this league who are, well, not all of them, but some of them have good personalities. Austin Matthews. Connor McDavid to me is as dry as, you know, cereal with no milk, but he is an electrifying hockey player. One of the top three I've seen in my life. And I've seen Gretzky and I've seen Lemieux and I'm putting McDavid right there. I've seen Sidney Crosby too. I think when it's all said and done, McDavid's going to be better than him. But however, flip that coin. Patrick Kane still at the top of his game. Alex Dabrinkit, if we're keeping it local. There's so many exciting young players coming up through the league right now that this ESPN deal is timing out really, really well. So I'm interested and excited to see what's going to happen next with the NHL in terms of broadcast, because I think NBC did a good job. I have no problem with their coverage or their, I think they did a fine job, but when hockey's not on the air, NBC doesn't really have any other sports programming, right? They've got their football games, they've got their hockey games, and then it's not sports anymore. Being on ESPN is going to, hey, this game just ended, now Sports Center's on. And this, you know, Toronto uh, Edmonton game is the top story on Sports Center. Maybe not every night, but if you've got McDavid versus Matthews and both teams are contending, it becomes a big story. And people that watch ESPN or follow it on social media will be more exposed to hockey. So I know just the name ESPN makes a lot of hockey fans angry or cringy, but Overall, this will be a good thing for hockey, and that's a good thing for hockey fans and people like me who cover hockey for a living. All right, thank you so much for joining me here on this sort of breaking news uh, late notice edition of the Madhouse podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. James and I will be back Tuesday night after Hawks and Lightning, hopefully celebrating a Hawks win because they've got to start winning now. Uh, it's probably too late already, but they got to start racking up these wins, and uh, it's not going to be easy so for my partner james and who's not here i'm sure he sends his well wishes my name is jay zawoski thank you for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast we'll talk to you tomorrow night thanks so much take care the madhouse chicago hockey podcast was brought to you by fry the coop triple threat sports dr squatch and by the sits in law group Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.